This is second down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Mercury and PJ Zuko. Uh, listen, we're doing things a little bit different today. Internet, not really uh, our best friend right now, but it is what it is. We're going to get it done today. We got a lot to dive into. We got a lot of draft talk to dive into here on ESPN Radio because, guys, when I think back on the best units in college football over the last, I don't know, say decade, right? Obviously, 2019 LSU's offense stands out, right? Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Lair, all those guys, right? You, you have so many first-round picks that came off of that unit. Multiple Alabama defenses, multiple Alabama offenses that we can talk about, right? And then that Clemson defensive line where you have two first-round picks off that defensive line uh, with Clinton Farrell. And those guys right there. So just so many outstanding units. I don't know that we're far enough removed yet from the season. What, we're just over four weeks removed from Georgia winning the national championship. I don't know if we're far away enough yet to really start ranking Georgia up there with those units. And I'm sure we will, but we have to wait and see what the fallout is, how many eventual first, second round picks come off of that unit. But as we get closer and closer to the draft, it's seeming like multiple Georgia defenders are going to end up there in the first round. But I'm scrolling back here. Cam, PJ, can you guys tell me who the last defensive lineman for Georgia was to be taken in the first round? Geno Atkins. In the first round. Um, Defensive lineman. Um, no, <laughs> was Leonard Floyd first or second round? Well, even then, would Let's he see, be... What draft? I think, and you consider him kind of an outside linebacker. Right, that, that's yeah. what the, the guys that keep coming to mind for me are all linebacker, outside linebacker. Yeah. Um, Geno Atkins is really the only one that rings a bell. I, I know, um, and, and this was one of the, the not... Yeah, Geno Atkins was a fourth-round pick. Man. Oh, wow. And he's really... You know, he's really made good use of that, obviously, yeah. with, with his career. Uh, uh, there was a guy who had really good size, I think, seven, six or seven years ago um, that was kind of highly touted in college, but I don't think he went in the first round. Uh, I can't remember his name, to be honest with you, so probably not. I think um, Jones was a linebacker. Right, right. see, he that's the thing. Pick. Is, he was yeah. 17th overall, but more of a stand-up outside linebacker. Yeah, right? there's so many good outside linebackers and middle linebackers, but... Like you said, that, that that stout defensive lineman, especially one that is uh, that highly touted coming out of college, has kind of been elusive for Georgia, yeah, I, so I think. By, by my count, and this is just going through, I'm strictly going off of hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman. By my count, Georgia has not had a defensive lineman drafted into the first round since David Pollock in 2005. Look at that. Well, that would change. It's going to change this year. Yeah, but that's right. That's going to get multiplied by just <laughs> yeah. let's let's see how many you can pick because and what's funny is you could have another one who transferred to another school who we picked in the first round in Jermaine Johnson, but he's more of that stand up outside linebacker kind of guy. But that being said, you got to think Jordan Davis is a first round pick. Trevon Walker, I think, has earned himself as a first round pick as well. Defonta White, even though he didn't get a chance to play in the Senior Bowl because of an injury, he had that week leading up to the practices where he did really show out and dominated a bunch of offensive linemen who have really good draft grades. So I, I think Georgia will have two defensive linemen drafted in the first round, any of those three guys, but I think it could be upwards of three. But what's cool about that is after this year, 
I think Jalen Carter is a first-round pick as well. So from this 2021 Georgia defensive line, I think potentially you could have four first-round picks on that defensive line, which, again, it takes a little while to kind of separate, get some years between you. I certainly think that puts that defense up there in terms of best ever you could put it with a lot of the we talked about 2001 Miami uh, in terms of these like the great draft teams, right? If you have Nicobe Dean get drafted off this team in the first round potentially, right? Uh, you have a couple other linebackers. Cheney Tindall really showed out at the Senior Bowl who gets drafted off this team really early in terms of draft production. I mean, Keely Ringo was a freshman this past year. In terms of draft production, this could be one of the best defenses we've seen in a long, long time. Ooh, I mean, yeah, I agree. Like. You could see possibly this entire defense, including the freshmen, when they're draft eligible, go like first, second round. I mean, every single person on this team. Um, it's a deep team. Uh, they were kind of like a mix of old and young. I mean, you had some seniors, some juniors, and then you had some freshmen that flashed. But as far as that defensive line, I, I could see Davis and um, Walker and possibly Wyatt all three get picked in, the, in probably the top 25, in my opinion, just because – this is a defense-laden draft, so it's a special Georgia defense. It is. I mean, PJ, I was going to say, yeah. we look back on that Clemson defense that dominated Alabama in the national championship, and you had the guys that got dropped, drafted off of that. I mean, when it's all said and done, do you think it's fair to say that this defense had more talent on it in terms of draftable guys? All in all, uh, probably. Uh, but all, all in all, most, most likely, because – uh, I mean, it's it's kind of like where the focus is, right? And, and that, like you said, massive defensive lineman uh, coming out for Georgia this year, and and with Jalen Carter possibly next year there, as well. But uh, I know with the the focus of that Clemson team was those senior defensive linemen that that all came back with the intention of of winning the national championship. So it's kind of, I mean, I think right there is kind of a wash, and then you go to linebacker in the in the secondary and. Um, with the guys that Georgia has in the in that linebacking core, with the young guys they have in the secondary, and what they could progress into uh, into the future, and where they could get drafted, very well could be. I I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. And um, I I don't know if you guys are thinking about this. Uh, maybe if th- this is me not being a prisoner of the moment enough, I guess. But that just makes me think of what could be for Georgia even more in the future, right? Because what's the one of the first things that recruits, that, that high school guys look for and, and talk about? Of course, it's guys that want to develop you and, you know, a, a great school, great program, all that good stuff, winning, all that good stuff. But also, can you get me to the league? Can you get me to the next level, uh, especially on that defensive side of the ball? And when Kirby Smart can, can not only show a national championship – but also all the production that these guys have and possibly all of them getting drafted at some point and very highly at some point. I mean, that's just... Uh, then you're just developing and, and going even more and more into an embarrassment of riches, right? Okay, so here's what George is going up against if we're comparing him to that 2018 Clemson National Championship team. Uh, I was wrong. Three first-round picks 
three first round picks. I don't know why I thought Christian Wilkins was a second round pick, but he was the 13th overall pick. So you had three first round picks off the defensive line. Clinton Farrell, Christian Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence all go in the first round. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, a corner, goes in the second round at the 40th pick. In the fourth round, Austin Bryant goes. So you had four defensive linemen go in one draft. And then the very next year, some more guys off that defense. You have two first round picks in Isaiah Simmons and A.J. Terrell. Uh, and then you have Tanner Muse going in the third round. So all in all, what, seven picks off that defense in two years? Yeah. That's, that's hard to compete with right there. Yeah, that that Clemson D, I'll, I'll probably give them the edge only because they beat, I mean, both teams beat Alabama. Let me let me put that in the nip that in the bud. They beat the hell out of Alabama. Yeah. But they they yeah, they, exactly what Christian said. They they beat Alabama pretty bad. They that game was over like in the second, third quarter. And that was a I would say a more talented um Alabama team. They were un, undefeated and they had all the receivers you see right now, Ruggs and Judy and Devontae Smith, and they just shut them out. You know, so I'll probably roll with Clemson just by a hair, but that doesn't mean it's Georgia well, we got, we defense. Got, we gotta wait and see. We gotta yeah. wait and see because, like yeah. I said, just it depends. Depends on what happens. It depends on what teams are looking for, right? Uh, Jordan Reed just did a mock draft, and he has two Georgia defensive linemen going. He has Jordan Davis and Trevon Walker both going in the first round, and then in the second round, uh, he has, which is just the perfect pick for them. He has Devonta Wyatt going to the Ravens because that just seems like a yeah. Ravens pick, right? Second round pick a defensive lineman who was a first round grade, and just continue to be filthy on defense like you have been forever. So. But he also has DeMarvin Lill going in the 40s, who a lot of teams have had him going as high, or a lot of people in their drafts have had him going as high as 10. So we're just really just going to have to wait and see. But all right, if I said it over and under three, three Georgia defenders in the first round, are you going over, over, over under, or is, it, is that right on the line? I'll go right on the line. I don't think it goes over. I'll go right on the line. Give me the over. Why not? And, and and I I do like like what you said too about Clemson like they have the blessing of time right now like we we can look back and see results and and see those seven guys who have been drafted but I mean with with Georgia with this unit specifically and what they could be and what the younger guys could be moving forward um, I I think we'll probably meet that number seven or go over as well but you're talking about first round guys coming off this defense it it'll be it's either three or four I think. It's either three or four. I think I'll I'll be um, gracious and optimistic and go with the over. I think somebody takes a shot on George Pickens in the first round. Man, no, I don't think so. Only because you have like Olave, Wilson, Burks, and those two guys from Bama. I think all five of those guys go ahead of Pickens. Not because they're better. It's just they've seen more body of work this year. Yeah, he has George Pickens going fifty ninth to who? the Green Bay Packers, which would be like their first time drafting a receiver threat for Aaron Rodgers in a long, long time. Uh, he also has, sorry, I lost it in my scrolling here. Yeah, Lewis Seen going to the Saints at 49. So potentially that would be, what, five Georgia defenders in the first two rounds of the draft. Still just crazy production. And like I said, you could potentially triple the amount of first-round picks you've had on the defensive line since 2005 in one draft. All these recruiting classes are starting to stack up here for Kirby Smart. And I, I know you lose. We're going to talk about this here in a little bit. You lose Jamila Dye to uh, 
Miami on kind of a lateral move for him. He was your defensive back coach, goes to Miami as a defensive back coach. We're going to talk about why maybe it's not quite as big of a deal as a lot of Georgia fans are making it out to be. It's a win for Miami. The Duke can recruit his tail off. I think he's the number two recruiter in terms of defensive backs uh, in the country this past year. So we'll dive into that, but maybe just take a deep breath. If you're a Georgia fan, we'll talk about the why as to why Jamila Dye decided to head to Miami. I mean, listen, you just stole Brian McClendon from them in a very lateral move. Well, they came in and took your defensive backs coach from you. So it's, you know, just kind of swapping coaches there. So we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll dive into that. Going to talk some Super Bowl as well. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. This Sunday, obviously all the talk has been about the quarterbacks, right? You got Matt Stafford after just serving his time like Jon Snow at the Northern Wall in Detroit, getting to come down to beautiful, sunny Los Angeles. First year he's there. My man's making it to the Super Bowl. And then you have Joe Burrow. He is building his own kind of mythical legacy as well. He's the up-and-comer, the guy who just doesn't lose, wins a national championship with LSU, comes into the league, and then in just two short years took the Cincinnati Bengals. I know we're talking about Joe Burrow in his second year going to the Super Bowl, but the fact that Joe Burrow took the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. So all the talk right now is swirling around the quarterbacks, and deservedly so. The two guys have great stories. My question to you is this. When we get to Super Bowl Sunday, because there's always this one guy, when we get to Super Bowl Sunday, who's going to be the hero that we didn't expect? The guy that we're talking about, we were like, where the hell did this guy come from? The David Tyree of this Super Bowl. Who are we going to be talking about on Monday when we're all hungover from wings and too much beer and this game shouldn't be played on a Sunday, but it is. When we're forced to come to work and talk about this the next day, who are we going to be like, wow, I did not see that coming? Want to go first? Uh, not really. Uh, I'll go first then. <laughs> um, I have two guys, but one can only make like a significant impact in my opinion. I'll go Van Jefferson. Um, slot wide receiver for the Rams. I, I feel as if Cincinnati a game plan well enough not to, like, you know, lock down Cooper Cup or Odell, but to kind of contain them and you need a third guy to kind of, like, come out there and make something happen. Higby, uh, their tight end, he's nicked up for this game, so I don't know how much he'll be able to play. So there has to be another guy that gets over Van Jefferson, and my 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 counter to that would probably be um, Cam Akers on the offensive side as well. Um He's come back from an Achilles injury, and he's looked well since he's been back in the playoffs. And I think he might have a chance to, uh, you know, run the ball on that Bengals defensive line, which is, meh, it's, it's, it's above average. And I think they might be able to take advantage of that. So I'll say those two on the offensive side. That's, that's really good. And, and, and my thought kind of automatically went to the running game for the Rams because so much has been focused. Like, I'm not – I'm not going to give away my pick, but so much has been focused on. But I, but I asked you to. Right, right now? No, I mean, oh, I mean, like oh, you're my about pick for the game, for the right, game right, itself. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, so right, much right, right, has right. been focused on about the quarterbacks, the passing games, and why shouldn't they be right? I mean, they've both been extremely good throughout the year. You have a lot of star players when it comes to the wide receivers and everything like that too. Um, but really, I think with with big games like this, it comes down to not. Always, but one of the biggest factors is controlling the ball and having big plays where you, like you said, wouldn't normally maybe expect it. And uh, Cam Akers would be one for sure. How about Sony Michelle as well? He's had some moments for the Rams, and obviously uh, when he was in New England, he was kind of in that five stack 
uh, for the the New England's running backs that you always I mean, kind of have. He was the only player to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl win against the Rams. Exactly. So right. So like he he has come up with big plays for Super Bowl winning teams for for a late charging teams before. Uh, and and to be kind of the leader of that guy, could he? Uh, I'm not gonna not gonna go there. But could he be the guy that that is making those 10, 12 yard runs? Late in the game, or catching the ball out the backfield, getting those first downs when you when you need to soak time or something like that. So uh, I think he could possibly be one, one of these guys that yeah, it, it's, it's either that it's kind of three things popped into my mind, right? It's either that it's an offensive lineman for the Bengals, right? Just one of them, right? They decide to block somebody, uh, or it could be a, a defensive player for the Bengals. That I'm going to be honest, I, I don't know. A lot of ton, you know, a ton of really good, extremely good defensive players for the Bengals, right? Come I, on, I mean, Hawkinson's good. I don't, I don't think it, they're just built up. I don't know. So, like, obviously they have some good guys over there, but there's always one of those guys, especially defensively, that that for some reason just blows up in the Super Bowl, right? And if the Bengals are going to win this game, they're, they're going to have to have a pretty, I think, big presence on the defensive side of the ball. So it could be one of them. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you the yeah. boring one first. I, I think Leonard Floyd, potentially, just because of how focused you're going to have to be on the other guys, I mean, Von Miller and Aaron Donald, how much they're going to take up. I could see him having like a three or four sack game and winning the Super Bowl MVP after the game, but really, it'd be more of a... I don't want to throw any specific players under the bus, but the Atlanta Falcons had a player that led the league uh, in sacks one year. More of those kind of sacks than the actual like impact beating your man sacks. But I could see at the end, we're like, okay, well, I mean, he had three or four sacks, probably deserved to win Super Bowl MVP there. But, and I'm just going to ask you guys this, and you can veto me. Am I allowed to have a kicker as the guy to watch in a game? <laughs> no, you can't. Why not? Yeah, I mean, Adam Vinatieri... Right. Uh, look at look at what he did for for the Patriots in the 2000s. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting that you bring up Adam Vinatieri because there's a guy who is on pace to break his postseason record of most field goals made. Adam Vinatieri has the record right now, going 14 for 14 on field goals in one single postseason. Evan McPherson right now is 12 for 12, including two game-winning field goals in his first-ever yeah. postseason. Yeah. That's a so re- I'm just thinking, yeah. playing that Rams defense, once you get across the 50 into the 40s, if he can hit a couple of 50-yarders, then if they get a cheapie, he hits a 30-yarder. If he can keep them in the game by doing that, listen, I don't know that a kicker's ever been a Super Bowl MVP, but just maybe – Evan McPherson, who has built this legacy for himself because he's, he looked at uh, the backup quarterback. I forget his name now for the Bengals, but he looked at the backup quarterback prior to going out and beating the – Brandon Allen, prior to going out and beating the Titans and said, hey, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship. Did he actually say it? I don't know. I don't think they might have kickers, but he got a lot of reports saying he did. He's already kind of building his legacy this postseason. He has the bottle cap video. Have you seen this when he was the kicker at Florida? Yeah. Had the yeah. – the Gatorade bottle taped up on the rail with the, with the top on it and was down below on the field, kicked the ball up, hit the bottle, and just spun the top off, leaving the bottle where it was. So, I mean, the dude is sniper accurate with his kicking. But my question is, am I allowed to have a kicker as my player to watch yeah. in a Super Bowl? Yeah, you can, but it sounds like you may have uh, jinxed him a little bit. 
You might have jinxed them with the 12 and 12. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Only time will tell now. We'll have to see. I also have to get PJ's opinion on this. Because, Cam, you might be too young. I don't know. Or I just don't know that you you care enough or are nerdy enough about this as we are. PJ, who has the better uniform in this game? Oh, okay. Um. I think it's even though I will say like the Rams are are growing on me a little bit. I still can't get over the numbers. Like I I don't know what the fascination is with with teams bringing out these new like thin weird looking numbers. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the ba- uh, the Bengals. Uh, I think the rework they did this year has been incredible. They just kind of simplified what they already had, but that's what they needed to do, and it looks clean. And I can't wait to see like when when you get. A little bit more uh, relaxed rules, especially with the helmets, um, with with the NFL here soon. I can't wait to see what they do with with those sets. But uh, I'll say I'll go with the Bengals. Uh, I think it's just clean. If we're talking about one of the Rams uniforms, like if they came out with their traditional throwbacks, uh, that that'd be super clean. Um, I, I think their like bone uniforms are pretty cool, but there's certain aspects that I really can't get like past the, with those you like uniforms. The dirty white uniforms. It's weird, right? But I don't know why. But it, I think it just makes the yellow and the blue pop a little bit more. I, mm. uh, I don't know. Uh, but overall, I, I'll, I'll go with the Bengals. And to to your point with the kickers as well. Sorry to come back to this, but in a year like this, we never apologize for going back to the kickers, right? It seems like every week we had like four or five games that were hugely affected by missed field goals. It was every single week. And now we have two of the best uh, teams with, with field goal kickers and, of course, one of the best field goal kickers in the league in his first year with, with uh, McPherson. So, um, I mean, there, there's no, like you say, you're even asking if he can be in the conversation, right? I, I mean, I, I think just that alone puts him in the conversation, especially, too, when you go through the playoffs, not only the game-winning kicks, but I mean, there's so many possessions that they have that would have come up empty if you don't have a guy like that, or even if you miss one, the game's over. Like, because every playoff game's been uh, decided by one possession. So, heck yeah, and kickers are insanely important, and, and uh, he's shown that even more this year. So, in this matchup, it looks like we're going to get the all white from the Rams going up against the red helmets, black tops, white pants for the Bengals. Why? Why is the See, Rams? I'm- why is the Rams doing Cam. that? It's a I home game. I think the Rams' best, but I think their well, they, best uniforms. Well, I, we've seen a lot of teams starting to transition to wearing white at home. It used to only be the Cowboys, but since like Tom Brady came to the Buccaneers and they switched up, or I guess reverted their uniforms back to what they used to be, they wear white at home a lot. Uh, the Chargers will, will wear white at home a lot, which I think smart. Because if you're in a sunny city like that, do you really want to be wearing the dark uniforms? You want to give yourself any advantage you can. And really, football is the only sport where a majority of the teams wear the dark uniforms at home, right? Basketball teams wear the white uniforms at home. Baseball teams wear the white uniforms at home. Soccer teams wear the white uniforms at home. But that being said, I don't actually know who technically the home team is in this game. I know the Rams yeah, are playing. That's what I was going to say. The Rams are. They're the higher seed. So it should okay, be the Rams. Well, either way, they're wearing their all white, but I, yeah. I still think that's a mistake. I think they should have worn the blue helmet, white top, yellow pants, because that's like far and away their best look. It's kind of the classic uh, Dickerson look back when they were in Los Angeles before. Love that look. The Bengals is saucy. Like that's a that's a clean, clean uniform. But 
I I think we're looking at uniform matchup. I gotta go Bengals here. Like I got I gotta give them the nod. I mean, I would, I agree. Like if it was like greatest show on turf Rams jerseys, I would go oh, that. You like the you like yes. the gold and dark blue? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, some of the, those are like top five best jerseys in the NFL. But I mean, you know, they got you know they they got the regular Deglers on now, the kind of the new school type of jersey. So I I pick Cincinnati. I like yeah, the all white. I like it's the all white a, Cincinnati. I do. It's not a ram horn, huh? What's on the Rams helmet? Because it's not a Rams horn. And honestly, I'm I'm trying to figure out what it is too. Like, like it looks more like the Chargers than anything, right? Yeah. I don't know who who did their like logos and things like that, but that they need to change them. Like even especially that both that both their logos look like they like someone went on paint and just kind of. I think you're on locked windows. in for uniforms for four <laughs> years in the NFL. Yeah, something like that. Dang. Yeah, uh, the, again, like the uniforms that I don't think are in terribly bad. You change the the numbers and you change the logos to me, and I think you're okay. But um, even then, like I think the it's funny. I I kind of think the yellow pants are like my third option like i don't really mind the what? all white i think the all white's clean i i really like i don't know i have a thing with maybe it's because of the teams that that i watch or whatever but i really like to have like the helmet and the pants the same color and then maybe I have a different color for the jersey so like if if the Bengals were coming out even though i do like them more for for right now if the Bengals were coming out with like the orange helmets the black jerseys and then the orange pants that'd be heat yeah, like that'd be pants? fire yeah. I, I don't know, but they should. I think that yeah, because same they, thing. Like I, I know, know they have black pants. Yeah, but they have the orange right. jersey. I think that's what I'm thinking. Maybe. I know they have the orange. I think jersey. a really good like I think the the Rams when they come out with like the white and the blue pants and the blue helmets, pretty good too. Not them gold pants. Man. But I need those. The gold pants. That's I, I need them. Man. <laughs> that that's what I like about the Rams. The new color uniforms, the yellow and the in the bright blue or kind of like dark blue. Nah, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what I guess, happened. I guess technically, when they did the uniform release, they have they have orange pants there, PJ. So that look, I mean, that look you great. Are, I know you, you have all the jokes correct. too. Uh, they're looking like Halloween, whatever. But I, I don't care. Yeah, like you're talking about a tiger, right? You're, you're thinking or bangle. They need whatever. to put on the all whites. The all whites look clean. I mean, those are incredible. On. Yeah, oh, yeah. you're right about that. It looks clean. Well, they can't because because the Rams, Rams are going all white. That. Apparently, sad. Or like, dude, just do the complete opposite, right? Rams are going all white. Be, go with the all black, man. All black Bengals uniforms with the orange That's stripes nice. on it. Woo! That's nice. That's fair. That looked That's good. Fair. All right, so we got that. We got that conversation out of the week. It's a very important conversation. We're gonna yeah. do prop bets a little bit later in the week as well. Let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back talk some college football right here on University of Miami. Uh, a lot of people looking at this as a lateral move, and if we're being literal, it is. He took a job and won a national championship in Georgia and then took the same job at a program uh, that is entering its first year with the new head coach there in Miami with Mario Cristobal. So an interesting development. A lot of Miami fans celebrating, as they should. Jamila Dye, uh, go look at Georgia's defensive backs that they brought in in this class, the job he did in just one year. Uh, for Georgia is phenomenal. So if, if you're Miami, you should be extremely happy about this. And so if you're Georgia, you have to be upset about this, right? Like it makes sense. You got It's got to hurt. You, you lose a guy to a team that is barely relevant at the moment. It's rebuilding under a new head coach. I think you got to take a, a big step back right there if you're a Georgia fan and think about who Jamila Dye was having to work for for the better part 
of the past year. And I've seen some other uh, Georgia beat writers point this out. I was actually texting with Brooks Austin about it yesterday. Uh, PJ, you work pretty closely with Kevin Thomas, right? Right, right. Of course. Right? Uh, and yeah. his main job is kind of keeping the station like up and running, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's what his main job is, making sure all of our towers are working, making sure we're on the air, making sure we get paid. It's, it's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Kind of kind of hands in everything, right? And just making sure everything's functioning as it should be. Right. So if you were to be hired in the same position as Kevin to do the same things as Kevin, but yet Kevin still wanted to do the same things as you, that that could get a little micromanaging, right? Like you, there could be some headbutton going on. There could be some, hey, I think maybe this is a better way of doing this. But he's like, hey, I've been here longer. I've had great success at doing this. Uh, we're going to do it my way, right? That could get a little tiresome, right? It, for sure. Uh, okay, so, no, I, I don't uh, think that's ever really a great idea. Right, so imagine coaching defensive backs for Kirby Smart. It's yeah. probably the same thing that a lot of defensive backs coach have had to deal with with, say, a Nick Saban, right? That's a really good point. <laughs> many minds in college football that people would say, hey, this guy knows more about defensive backs than a Nick Saban or a Kirby Smart. So if you're talking about pressure, maybe like quarterbacks coach under Jimbo Fisher. Right, like that kind of pressure where it's like, this is what I do. I'm the head coach. This is the position group that I played, that I've coached, that I've had great success with. It can it could probably wear and tear on somebody a little bit because if the defense does great, Kirby Smart coaching his butt off, one of the best defensive minds in college football. If the DBs are getting cooked all year, what's up with this defensive back coach? Right, so it's none of the credit, all of the pressure for Jamila Die. Add on to that. Who did Georgia hire this past year as a defensive analyst and then eventually promoted uh, to an on-field job? Will Bleep and Muschamp. Yeah. Yeah. So Jamila Dye is going into work every day thinking like, man, there's there's probably a different way that we could run cover three, but, you know, Kirby and Will, they they got their way of doing it. Those are two very loud individuals. I, (laughs) I just... It is what it is. So then old Mario Cristobal comes around, and it's money bag Mario right now because uh, that Miami team has had a pretty sizable uh, injection, I guess, infusion of money uh, into those coaching salaries. So he's like, listen, you live in Athens. Athens is a great town, one of the best college towns in America. We're in Miami, and that defensive back room's yours. All right, I'm more of a lineman kind of a guy. I just need somebody who can come in here, coach my defensive backs, coach them up, recruit them, and get them off to the next level. Let's win some football games. I I can see why Jamila Die would make this move. Yeah, that's a really good point, and, and uh, that that is one that I would have not thought of. Just because you know you think of you think of the title, right? You think of the job, and then you go with go with that. Uh, but you getting all that situationally, I don't know. Situationally as well, when you describe all that, I think you have to be careful with saying lateral lateral move. Because I guess title-wise, it is. But at the end of the day, if you do have more control and, and more freedom, and of course, more more money in the pocket as well, I, mean, I, I, that, I think a lot of people, when you start breaking that down, don't look at it as, as quote, a lateral move. You know what I mean? So, And he might be one of these guys, too, that like people... You look at the situation as well, and you go in, you win a national championship with Georgia. Of course, you, you fill up that uh, defensive back room with, with a bunch of really solid players uh, that are looking forward. And 
how some guys just like a new challenge as well. Like I, yep. I know at the end of the day, you know Miami isn't in a great spot right now, but but maybe you look at that as more of a challenge to to build it into what Miami used to be. Well, and, and some people look at those situations and say, yeah, man, I I want to go do that. We did it at Georgia. Let's do it at Miami. So. I think that's a really good point. And Cam, like, which one do you think you get more credit for? Having a good defensive secondary at Georgia or building a good defensive secondary at Miami? Uh, you know, definitely at Miami. Uh, I, I think he made the move for two um, reasons. One, to prove, like, hey, you know, I went to Georgia. That's a defensive pipeline for the last decade, decade and a half, if you want to say that, where we've brought out good defensive players. I want to prove myself and go to Miami and show everybody I can still do the same thing at a rebuilding, um, you know, a rebuilding, a rebuilding school. And then two, it's just also he's paid his dues. He's done what he was supposed to do at Georgia. Now go get that big check for Miami. It's nothing wrong with, you know, switching positions to go get a bigger check sometimes when you've already, you know, accomplished things at, you know, a certain place. So I can't necessarily get, you know, too mad at him. Obviously, you're happy. You like to see any person, anybody, you know, make a significant upgrade and make some more money, but also get a chance to kind of, you know, prove themselves even more and, you know, how valuable they really are. All right, flipping it over to Auburn. Uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about here, and I know we only have a few more minutes. Uh, number one, how familiar are you guys with Twitter spaces? Like, how, how much do you follow those? Oh, man. Uh, I know they exist, and I've I've seen, I guess, I don't know why I even really see, like, see them pop up. I don't know. I'm not big on, like, social media. So I know they're there and I know like I, I've for some reason seen like advertisements like, Hey, blankety blank is in this Twitter space right now. And I'm like, okay, uh, I don't, that doesn't interest me, but I, I don't know. So I know what they are. <laughs> okay. So I love Twitter spaces because they're basically sports talk radio on Twitter. It is a person host. Like they just put a thought out there, right? They're like, uh, Georgia's recruiting class, and they put that thought. That's how they title it. And then they host that space, and you can basically call it. You get on the Twitter space, and you hop in there, and you guys just talk about that. I've been listening to way too much Falcons <laughs> talk, right? Because it's all these great writers who just get together and talk about the Falcons. So I, I, I listen to that all the time. But what I love about it is there's no sort of control on it. It's the wild, wild west. So you can say you are whatever you are. You can put whatever you want to up there. My favorite is there has been a sect of the Arkansas fan base that is just trolling the absolute hell out of Auburn fans on these Twitter spaces <laughs> nightly. It is Brian Harson fired. Who's next? And like, it's just somebody hosted that. And then you click in there and there is like 40 blue check marks in that Twitter space listening in. And then it turns out it's just an Arkansas fan <laughs> making fun of Auburn fans. So I right, just, I love that. It's just another fantastic. space for college football fans to be college football fans. Yeah. But my question to you is this Auburn just finished up recruiting a top 20 class. Uh, this about a week ago, we were talking PJ about, just can you come back from clearly wanting to be fired this bad, right? Like the boosters want you out this bad. Can Brian Harson really come back for it? You had, and I think this has to be said clearly, you had former players, right? Two guys headed to the draft, a couple of guys who are now at another school who hosted an Instagram live and were just laying out how bad this past year was for you, right? So it's just, it's been a rough week for Brian Harson. Didn't sign anybody on National Signing Day, 
right? Even like Georgia picked up a couple of guys, Alabama picked up a couple of guys. Just, I know it's not December signing period, but it's still important to pick up some guys on signing day. Yeah. Didn't pick up anybody. It's been a rough couple of weeks for Brian Harson. Is, is there any way he can come back from this at this point? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how, like, I'm surprised we're talking about it this Tuesday, right? Because, uh, I mean, me and you, were, like you said, we had that discussion last week. And, uh, you know, we we're talking about Friday. You know, I was talking about possibly Sunday morning something. Right. And and we're still having this conversation. Now, obviously, like, um, they've said they're looking into it even more and whatever, even more into the last year and how this last season went with, with him personally. But... Uh, I, I think it'd be very, very difficult to. Um, I, I'd be insanely surprised if he's able to get through this. And like you said, especially when you have so many boosters and whatnot, um, uh, kind of pushing to to get you out of there, and, and with everything coming out, so it it would be. I think not only that, but like you got to think of brand and, and image, right? Like, let's be real. If if you're Auburn, you're the university right now. You got to think of brand and image and whatnot. You have all this stuff coming out. And if you do retain him, what does that do to your brand and, and image? Now, I know obviously it's, you know, you, you have years upon years of, of Auburn fandom and tradition and everything like that. Like it's not going to put, at the end of the day, it's not going to bring down Auburn or anything like that. But but th- that could uh, damage it a little bit. I don't bit. know. So, I don't know because I, I think if Auburn's in a really dangerous territory, I think they're in the same spot the team they played in the 2013 National Championship was in, right? You get rid of a coach who took yeah, you to that right. National Championship game, yeah. and then you hire somebody, and then you very quickly fire that person, and all of a sudden you're one of the worst teams in the Power Five, right? Florida State did that, right? They hired Willie Taggart after Jimbo Fisher moves on. He's there for, what, 21 games, and you fire him? And then all of a sudden, your coach has a worse, your new coach has a worse record than he did through about the same amount of games. Yeah. Yeah. Auburn's right? in trouble. They're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, if they finish last this year, they're, they're in trouble because the SEC East, I mean, SEC West, my apologies, is it's only getting better. I mean, Arkansas's on the sure. rise, Ole Miss, and LSU. LSU is LSU. I don't care what anybody says, they'll be back. Everybody's on the rise. They're going to be dancing. I'm just, no just going to say what I was going to say. All right. Auburn has a very distinct chance of being Florida State. All right. I said it. I said it. No, it's, I mean, Sorry. that's true. That's actually true. It. Auburn might win. They, it, it could be a chance where Auburn goes like four and eight or five and seven next year. That's, that's possible. But I think this is the so, problem, right? And, and kind of like what, what you were getting. Like, th- this is bad either way, I think. Like, if, if you retain him or, or not. Uh, I don't see a great decision or possibility coming out in in the next one or two years for them to begin with. Uh, with Look, with Florida everything State that's and happened. Auburn are both basketball schools now. Let's just it's just it is what it is. There used to be football <laughs> schools. Now they're both basketball schools. Tell, tell DJ I said it. I don't know if you can hear me back there, but tell him I said it. We got to take a quick break. We'll come. Cam Urchery, glad you guys hung out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. Got a. Big show coming up next on 3 and Out. The guys are going to be joined by Ian Cummings from the Pro Football Network today. Seven-round mock draft. And uh, I think the first overall pick will make a lot of Jacksonville Jaguars fans happy. If, if it doesn't, 
it should. I think is the best way to put that out there. Also, Myjay Sanders, former Camden County Wildcat, also a member of Cincinnati's defense that has had all of the success, becoming the first G5 school to ever make the college football playoff. He's going to join the guys at 3.30. Coming up at 4.20, Joe Hamilton, a former Georgia Tech legend, a member of 680 The Fan in Atlanta, going to hop on with the guys. Uh, and then, of course, of course, we still have our Valentine's Day promo going on. You can call in 912-342-7184. All you have to do is call in, and you will be entered for a chance to win a trip to the Milan Day Spa and a two-night stay at the Westin on Jekyll Island. Be the hero on Valentine's Day. Be the hero. And listen, do you have to have a significant other to give this to? No. No. You can love yourself on Valentine's Day. Take yourself to the Milan Day Spa. Take yourself on just a self-love vacation to the Weston on Jekyll Island, right? There's no one saying that you have to have a significant other to call in for this. So 912-342-7184. Call in and register. That's all you have to do to have a chance to win. Three and out coming up next, BJ Bennett, Kevin Thomas, and Ben Troop.